Well, welcome everyone to the Rancho Baptist Church live stream service. We are so thankful to to have you all this morning. At least I'm assuming you're there. Again, this is this is quite strange as we recognize that the time that we are in right now is is a different time as we are not able to actually gather together. But in this way, we are together. So thank you so much. First and foremost, I want to say thank you. Thank you for coming and joining us this morning. Hopefully with all of your family as you gather together in, in order to worship our Lord on this Sunday. I also wanted to, to give a big thank you to Alan Marsala for all the work that he has done as he is the mastermind behind all of this as we are, are doing this live stream. And no doubt you are, you are like me with everything that has been going on. Perhaps at, at times you feel yourself a little overwhelmed. Perhaps you, you just wonder what's going what's gonna to happen tomorrow as it seems like everybody keeps telling us, hey, this is the new normal. And yet the new normal seems to change every day. And, and for me, God's word is, has just been oh so encouraging. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to, to turn with me now to, to Psalm 46. And, and I'm not starting my sermon or anything. I, this is just kind of some encouragement that I thought would be good for us all. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. You know, these words were such an encouragement to Martin Luther that, that from them he, he came up with a wonderful hymn, A Mighty Fortress. And I just wanted to remind us all this morning that that God is our fortress, that he is our, our refuge and our strength, and, and we can trust in him. I thought it would be pertinent and good for us to, to start our time off together this morning in prayer. So would you bow your, he your heads with me as, as we pray together now? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that, that you are our hope, that you are our strength, that you are the, the solid rock that we can cling to, that you are the, the foundation upon which we stand. We entrust these days into your hands, Lord. We, we ask you to look after all the nations of the world, particularly Italy, and all that Italy has been going through. We, we lift up our nation the United States to you. We, we lift up all those that are on the front lines serving so many of us right now, putting themselves in harm's way by, by taking tests and, and by looking after people, particularly in, in the medical field, Lord. So, so look after them. We ask that you would be with all of our missionaries scattered throughout the globe, that you would encourage them and, and their hearts this morning and that you would encourage our body as well. We pray now, Lord, that you would just bless the time that we get to spend with one another, time in your word, time rejoicing in you, and time remembering your wonderful gospel. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I've also been thinking about this last week as to what we might do in order to keep ourselves from, from running over into being nervous and anxious all the time. And, and I'm sure you're familiar with Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7, which says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and, and the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your, and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's really easy to, to kind of keep going to the negative and keep going to the, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? Is this thing going to continue to, to spiral and, and, and out of control? And yet what we're reminded of by the Apostle Paul in, in Philippians is that the key is for us to be thankful in all circumstances and to go to the Lord when, when we feel like we might be being pulled into becoming nervous and anxious and, and turn that anxiety over to the Lord and thank him. 
And I was reminded of this last night as something that has been a blessing that, that I've seen. And actually, I've seen this posted by many, many people online as well. And, and what the blessing is in all of this is the time that we get to spend as families. I've seen posts time and time again, wives rejoicing over the fact that they get to eat breakfast with their husbands. And last night, even in my own home, we were, we were able to spend some time playing some games, something that we haven't done for, for really that I can remember years as we whipped out code names and, and we played a, a couple series of code names as a family, all, all six of us. And so I just rejoice that God has brought us to this place and, and taken everything else away from us, so to speak, as far as getting out in our busy schedules and allowing us to, to spend time with our family. So I would encourage you to do that, even in worship with, with your family devotions and, and what have you. And, and one thing that we can do as a church body is we can encourage one another through taking, taking some snapshots of, of you and your family worshiping right now. As maybe you're gathered around your television or your computer screen, take a picture, and then you can send that picture to the email that is on the screen, at least I'm assuming it's on the screen. And um, yeah, when you do that, when you log on next week, you might be able to see your family, you'll be able to see other families, and that'll just be a, a real tremendous blessing to us all to see how many of us were, were gathered on a Sunday morning. We also want to enact some, some new um, ways of gathering together, whether that's through our community groups or whether that's through a prayer time, or whether that's through the youth group. And the way that we're gonna do that is we're gonna do that either through Zoom or we're gonna do that through Google Hangouts. And so I, I want you to, to keep a, a good lookout on your emails as to exactly when we're gonna be launching these particular groups so that you can join us, so that you can gather together with us in prayer and, and be gracious with us because these, these venues are new to us. And so we're going to have to kind of find our way as we walk this path that the Lord has for us right now. So I would encourage you to, to just keep up on the emails, keep up on looking at the website now and again, and seeing if perhaps another video has been posted that would, would give some sort of update or also some update on when this particular CG is going to start to meet and then join us. Also, if any of you are in need of anything, please reach out to us. We've sent out emails that have all the pastors and elders' telephone numbers on them. You can also call the church or, or just give us an email, and then we would love to, to help serve you, what, whatever that looks like. If, if you need toilet paper or some sort of rations or are getting low and, and you don't feel comfortable going outside, let, let us help, and we will trust the Lord in that. Well, I'm excited about this morning. I've been excited about, about the last several weeks since we started this new series on worship. Why? Because we have been going back to what the most important thing is in our lives, which is worship. And we've been looking at true worship and what, what God's word has to say regarding true worship. And this morning, I've asked Pastor Shane, our family pastor, to go ahead and and bring to us from God's word how the gospel is related to worship. And so now, Bro Brother Shane, please come and, and bring us the word. All right. Good morning, RBC family. I trust that uh, you can see me okay from your TV or computer at home or from your phone, if that's, uh, if that's where you're at. But uh, for those visiting, welcome to our Sunday morning gathering via live stream. Or for some of you, you will listen to this recording later. Uh, we are glad you have chosen to worship with us this morning. These are some trying times we are living in, uh, but exciting times, because we know that our Heavenly Father is sovereign and in control over all things, and we can fully trust Him him and for the fact that those who are in christ uh jesus is coming soon and our citizenship is in heaven as christians so 
even thinking about you and the family, uh, the church family this week, I hope you hope you have not been going stir crazy in your homes. I pray that you've been engaging in family worship and and seeking the Lord through prayer, or connecting with others on FaceTime or Zoom or or other means for connecting. I know that our kids have connected with friends this week um, over Zoom and. And as the Lord has stripped away sports and regular routines, may we cling to him all the more and grow in our worship of him. My heart is heavy this morning. Be praying for those who are affected by jobs and regular income not coming in for families. Those families directly uh, affected at Rancho Baptist Church, but also our valley and around our country and world. Uh, be open to how the Lord wants to use you in the life of his church and to those who do not know Christ. Um, and also, my heart's heavy this morning. Um, if you have not heard, uh, just being praying for Norm and Mary Clark in our church family as Mary has, has lost her sister Judy, as Judy went home to be with the Lord. So be praying for, for Norm and Mary this morning. Um, and then also the Del Rosarios, uh, Mike and Lori, um, Mike was in the hospital last night. He's back at home having some heart issues. Um, he's going to be seeing a cardiologist soon. So be praying for him. Be praying for the family. Um, and I know there's so many needs within the body. I uh, just pray that we would be faithful uh, to bring these things before the Lord. Um, and, and then to meet the needs of one another. I'm reminded in Galatians 6.10 this morning, uh, so then... As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I know some of you have been so faithful to call some of our older saints at RBC and have been meeting needs. Thank you. And if you find out needs, please contact the pastors or elders or meet the need on your own as the Lord would lead you to do so. May the Lord be glorified in and through this church family at RBC during these trying times. And as Pastor Jason was saying, we find ourselves in a series on true worship. Even during these days of unknown, God calls us to worship him. We are created to worship. And I just want us to think back to where we've been in this series. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jason started off um, with the command of scripture that we worship as one, that God desires for us to be united in worship as a church body, treasuring Christ in worship, and that every believer should be participating in worship. From the youngest to the oldest, we were created to worship. John 17, verses 11, 21, and through 23. Oh, and by the way, uh, this morning, as you guys have your Bibles close to you, um, I'm not going to have a, a ton of uh, PowerPoint slides, but if you have the app open on your phone, there's some fill in the blanks uh, for some of my points. I have four main points this morning, uh, but also there's a lot of scripture. And so this morning, if you have like a little note notepad next to you um, or notes in your phone, um, I would suggest that you uh, take notes of the scripture being shared so that you can go back to them with your family throughout the week. But um, just as we're recapping, John 17, verse 11, and verses 21 to 23, Jesus says this, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So we looked at that this worship as one, one body, one unit, one community coming together for those who love Jesus Christ. And if we had bulletins this morning <laughs> and I were to ask you to look inside what do you think you would find inside the first page? Why do we gather here on Sunday mornings, either at Rancho Baptist Church or this morning, now in our living rooms? 
we come each Sunday, the Lord's Day, to worship the Almighty God. And inside our bulletin, it says, may the Lord bless you as you worship him. These are worship services. You are part of this worship service this morning, even from your own living room. This is what we are called to do. Worship the one true living God. God has called his saints to gather in worship, to exalt and glorify his name. You are part of a worshiping community, a body of believers God has set aside for his glory, his church. And we will continue to meet as one body until the day of Jesus Christ, his second coming to earth draws near. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to draw near to the Lord and to each other even more during these last days. We are called to grow in our worship of God and to love one another genuinely from the heart. And in terms of worship, we see Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. God also expects that in our families during the week that we are worshiping him as well. We call this family worship. Take some time each day to turn to scripture together and pray together as a family unit. And with the closure of schools and other weekly activities, I would encourage you to make family worship a reality in your home. Gather around and read the word together and play some worship songs on YouTube and sing together as a family. Take advantage of this time. And may we practice what Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's biblical worship. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So that was a first sermon that Pastor Jason gave. The second one that Pastor Jason gave was worship and missions. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved and you have been set apart for the Lord now to worship him. You are also called to missions. Wherever the Lord has you in vocation, no matter what family he has you in, you are now to proclaim Christ and share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and call sinners to repentance. We are called to be Christ's ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21 talks about that. And we are to tell sinners of the wrath to come and share the good news of the grace and mercies of our almighty heavenly father. He is worthy of praise. He is the only one who can save sinners. Some things that Pastor Jason mentioned in this worship and mission sermon was God's mission must be our mission. His heart must be our heart. Worship is the fuel behind missions. God is transforming hearts through the gospel and calling true worshipers to himself even during and through this COVID-19 virus. And, and as he saves us, we are to now go and proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Because we know that our Lord in Luke 19.10 says that he, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost. We also learn that God's word informs our worship. We must proclaim God's word and Christ our Savior daily. I desire for us to be a God-exalting, Yahweh-worshiping church that proclaims the excellencies of Christ. We breathe in the word, Lord willing, daily, 
and ex exhale prayer in our everyday lives as we grow in worship of our King. Colossians 1, 27 to 28 says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So we worship God alone. We proclaim Christ. We share the gospel. Through this worship series, I've asked myself, does the gospel and love of Christ overflow through me to others? And as I draw near to the Lord, am I overflowing in worship to my King? Those are some good questions to ask ourselves. Then last week, we had the privilege to hear from Pastor Tom as he preached on worship as a lifestyle. We read through John 4, 1 through 24, and near the end of this passage, it says that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. We heard a quote from Warren Wearsby that said, worship is the response of all that we are, heart, mind, soul, emotion, to all that God is. Josh Riley also said, worship is everything we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, revealing that which we treasure and value the most in our lives. Whether it be washing the dishes at home, whether it be going out every day in your vocation for work, that can be an act of worship to our great God and King. Pastor Tom brought to our awareness Psalm 29, one through two. We must ascribe to the Lord, O mighty ones. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And now this morning, we will look at our motive for worship, God's glorious gospel. And the title of this sermon is Worship and the Gospel. I'm so excited to bring this to you this morning. God's word have, has just been permeating. And, and I've just been thinking on so much scripture this week preparing. Um, but as we look to God's word, I believe it is necessary for us to ask, God, how do you want to be worshipped? And as God is seeking worshipers, the first work he does is bringing them to himself only through the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is a, is a scandalous declaration. No other news in all of history is so liberating to the brokenhearted and irritating to the religious. The song of the church is that Jesus came to save sinners. We already heard that in Luke 19.10. This will forever be the theme of our worship. I want us to turn in your Bibles this morning to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to uh, look on and I'm reading from the ESV this morning. Look at verse 9. And they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, speaking of Jesus Christ our Savior, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever and the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped 
This will be our forever song as Christians. Worship to our great God on the throne. And in scripture, we find examples that teach us about the gospel and how it leads us to worship. Through the lens of the gospel, we learn to see congregational worship, which includes preaching, singing, confession, prayer, scripture reading, communion, baptism, not as a ritual, but as a regular opportunity for our eyes to be lifted to see anew the glorious gospel of grace. The gospel both provokes and enables the worship of God. So we will look at at the gospel this morning and look at four main points that are crucial in understanding the gospel of our salvation and the message we need to proclaim to a lost and dying world. First, we need to start with God. God. Worship always begins with God. So that's the first uh, fill in the blank if you're taking notes. God. Worship always begins with God. In the same way that the gospel begins begins by God calling man out of life, or out of death, rather, into life. Ephesians 1, 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. God initiates worship. Worship is for him. He is the only one who deserves worship. Exodus 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. God is the only one, the God of the Bible, who deserves worship. God initiates worship by revealing himself to us in two main ways. The first way is through his creation. We call this general revelation. You, I, I'm, I'm sitting in my backyard looking at these beautiful blue skies with the streaks of clouds Hills in the distance, green trees all around, homes scattered through North Marietta. God has revealed himself through his creation. The Bible says the fool says in his heart that there is no God. We look at creation as as Christians and we go, of course, there's an almighty creator, an intelligent designer. So that's the first way that God has revealed himself The second way is through his written word. We call this special or divine revelation. God has has revealed himself through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. God reveals himself to us. We get to know more and more about him. Worship is then the continual song of God revealing himself to his church as we respond with thanksgiving and praise. God both initiates and instructs us how to worship. We don't get to choose how we worship God. He declares in his word how he wants to receive worship. Worship is God-ordained, so worship and the gospel belongs with God. Just a side note real quick. As we worship, we understand even even as God calls us to himself through the gospel, as we sing songs on Sunday mornings in our own homes, make sure that the the songs that you sing are songs that are proclaiming God's word. They're proclaiming the gospel. They're proclaiming our savior. Be careful at times. The the scripture and the worship that comes through um, different churches. Uh, Make sure that you're worshiping the Lord through songs that glorify him. But we understand this morning that the gospel begins with God. Deuteronomy 6, we already read that a little bit earlier. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Romans 12, 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy 
and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And then John 4, 24, that Pastor Tom brought up last week, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship is your whole being. Worship is everything. Mind, soul, strength, emotion, giving those things over to the Lord. One of the thoughts that comes from scripture when we think of worship is the fear of God. When we come into his presence, we should take him seriously and come with reverent awe. We need to understand who we are coming before and how he wants to be worshiped. God desires our entire person, our entire being in worship. For us to give acceptable worship to God, we must be born again and believe that Jesus is the only Savior. Then we can worship God in spirit and in truth. Isaiah 6, turn there in your Bibles in the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 6. It gives us a beautiful picture of a vision Isaiah sees and experiences. So if you turn to Isaiah chapter 6, you look at verse 1. You see this vision that Isaiah has of our great God and King. Look at verses 1 through 5 and look on as I read. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord and then responds rightly at who he is. Which leads us to our second point this morning. We look at man. Man, you and me, worship humbles the pride of men. So we looked at God first. Worship belong, always belongs to our God only. Man, worship humbles the pride of men. When the human heart is awakened to glorious realities of God, its intrinsic response is a humble declaration of God's holiness and the sinfulness of man. Do you remember what Isaiah, Isaiah's response to seeing the Lord was? In verse 5, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In view of the perfections of God, we see that we have all fallen short of his glory. Romans 3.23, you guys know this well. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then we need to understand that the result of our sin ends in death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. What we earn for, for our sin, what I earn for my sin is death. But then we hear as well in scripture, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. As New Testament scholar Leon Morris notes in his book, The Atonement, worship is the abandonment of all reliance on merit and the process of trusting fully in the work of the Christ on our behalf. Good works can't get you to heaven. My own merit will never make me right with God and reconciled with my creator. And what is the full work of Christ on our behalf? Well, let me throw out a term we should all be familiar, familiar with in Christ's church, 
atonement. Very briefly, what was accomplished through the atonement of Christ? This doctrine is the foundation of the gospel itself. God is perfectly righteous, and therefore, by definition, he cannot countenance a less than perfect righteousness in anyone who would have fellowship with him. Sinners, by definition, have already violated God's law and rebelled against him. And because sin has infected the very core of their being, they have no way to pay for sin or secure the righteousness that needed to stand before God. They have no inclination or ability to submit to God's authority and are doomed to face the just punishment of the outpouring of God's righteous wrath. The divide between the sinner's depravity and God's unapproachable holiness is so vast, the sinner, even with his noblest efforts, has no hope of ever standing in right relationship with a holy God. The only hope for salvation comes as it must from outside the sinner. It is found in God's own provision of full and free atonement for sin. That glorious provision satisfies justice and releases the grace of forgiveness. Guys, this is good news. 1 Corinthians 15 says in verse 3 and 4 that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Man's depravity has established the need for salvation. The Father's unconditional election has formed the plan of salvation. But it is the atonement of God the Son that accomplishes the redemption in space and time. If we are going to be fundamentally committed to the gospel, we must devote ourselves to an accurate and biblical understanding of the atonement. For the believer, God in his love has appointed the Lord Jesus Christ to stand in the place of sinners, to bear their guilt and sin and punishment, and therefore satisfy God's wrath on their behalf. This is what we call penal substitution. Jesus suffered the penalty for our sins on the cross as a substitute for his people. Praise God for that. When you see God for who he is, then you see man, yourself, for who you really are. You will cry out just like the jailer in Acts 16.30 when he asks, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. We must look to Christ. Christ is our only hope for this life and for the life to come. Which brings us to our next point. Christ. Worship centers upon the person and work of Christ. So what you have this morning, just as a way of recap, God. Worship always begins with God, right? True worshipers will worship the one and true God because he has called them to himself. And yet, man... Worship humbles the pride of men. And then thirdly, this morning, we're going to see that Christ, it's all about Jesus and his work on the cross. And the cross is perfect to look at as we come to the time where we celebrate Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension with Easter coming in less than a month. I don't know for sure where we will be when we celebrate Easter on April 12th, but I know we will be celebrating Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to God the Father. So we must realize that worship centers upon the person and work of Christ. In his great mercy, God saw fit that we who were once slaves to sin by birth would now stand as his sons and daughters. The cross 
is the centerpiece of Christian worship. Like Mark Dever and J.I. Packer state in their book, In My Place Condemned He Stood, and I quote, True Christ-centeredness is and must always be cross-centeredness. It is here that God's wrath is satisfied, end quote. As we think through the atonement of Christ, we must also know the term propitiation. Propitiation, by receiving the full exercise of the Father's wrath against the sins of his people, Christ satisfied God's righteous anger against sin and thus turned away his wrath from us who, had it not been for our substitute Jesus Christ, were bound to suffer it for ourselves. You can look at four scriptures and write these down this morning that clearly identify Christ's work as a propitiation. Romans 3, verses 24 and 25. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. And then one that I want to highlight so well this morning that we all know. 2 Corinthians 5, verse, 20, first, verse 21 says this, for our sake, he, God, made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here we have the ultimate good news, don't we? Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that. And because of Christ, God can rightly call sinners justified. God has done what we could not do. And he has done what we didn't deserve. Charles Wesley, who has written thousands and thousands of hymns that we sing today, rightly exalted in this good news. You'll see here on your screen. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood. Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? The theme of New Testament worship is that the shadows of time and place, temple and tabernacle, are fulfilled in Christ. Jesus stands as the true and better temple, the true and better Adam, our wonderful mediator and the great high priest who once for all reconciled God and man. If you want to read more about that this week, I suggest taking a note of Hebrews chapter 10. So we have this morning, we have God. Worship always begins with God. That's our first point. Our second point is man. Worship humbles the pride of men. Our third point is Christ. Christ. Worship centers upon the person and work of Christ. And then fourthly, as we end our time here this morning, is response. Worship is the rightful response to the revelation of God. God's word calls us to receive this free gift of salvation through faith and repentance. And then we respond with great worship and thanksgiving. Think about your response to God through worship. In the gospel, we are reminded that there is a perfect sovereign God who made us. Genesis 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are not like the animals. As much as evolution and atheists want to proclaim today that we are the same, we are the same as animals, we are not. God has created man in his own image. He has not created animals in his own image. We are different. 
and we are created to worship God. We are told of our, of our desperate need of forgiveness and the punishment that is rightly ours. Once again, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are called to look upon Christ as the one who died in the place of sinners. And we respond by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You must be saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You must be born again to respond to God Almighty with right worship. Right God-honoring worship comes from a life that has been born again. Are you born again? Are you a new creation in Christ? This is a doctrine of regeneration. God is the only one who can cause a dead man or a stony heart to be made alive in Christ and have a softened heart. You will find this imagery of being born again to describe this work of generation from John 3, verses 3 through 8. Let's turn there this morning. John chapter 3. As Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, the religious, one of the religious rulers in Jesus' time, a Pharisee, Jesus has some pretty important words for Nicodemus. In verse 3 of John chapter 3, he says this, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I was asking my family at, at, at a dinner this week, what does it mean to be born again? And my youngest son, Caleb, says, well, you, you must be born twice. If you are born twice, then you only die once. If you are only born once, you will die twice. You will die a physical death, and yet you will experience eternal death in hell for all eternity because of your rebellious heart and sin. And our sin, which we've already talked about, deserves God's wrath. But God has made a way. In the physical realm, a child makes absolutely no contribution to his conception or his birth, right? He is non-existent and thus is entirely dependent on the will of his parents to be brought into being. In the same way, Jesus chooses this analogy to illustrate the reality that dead and depraved sinners cannot contribute to their rebirth unto spiritual life, but are entirely dependent on the sovereign will of God for regeneration. Regeneration is an act of God alone. And the Bible says you must be born again. George Whitfield, a famous itinerant preacher, he would frequently bring this up in his sermons. You must be born again. And there would be people that would complain and come up to him after his sermons and say, Mr. Whitfield, why do you always bring up the fact that a person must be born again? Do you know what his response was? Because you must be born again. The good news of the gospel provokes our hearts to wonder 
and awe. It humbles us under the goodness of its declaration that the guilty can go free. Christ has paid the sinner's debt and forever his church will worship him. Our response to the gospel is the worship of our hearts, the praise of our lips, and the service of our lives. Not to gain the approval of God because in Christ, we've already attained it. We are set free in Christ to worship him fully and respond with great joy. Let me ask you this question this morning. Can worship ever become routine or a cold ritual? Can worship become legalistic or a vain practice? I think if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, yes, it can. As a result, worship can degrade into one of the most legalistic activities a person can pursue. Many worshipers fail to realize that it is possible to worship God in vain. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, Jesus quotes the rebuke of God given through the prophet Isaiah. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as the doctrines, the commandments of men. So people can worship the true God, even with the God-given words and forms of worship, and yet they can still worship in vain. Jesus said to him, no one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6, meaning that apart from a knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is no access to or genuine worship of God. Of course, more than a mere knowledge of the gospel is needed to worship God. As Jesus declared, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In order to worship in spirit and truth, a person must be indwelled by the one who is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see. So only those who receive the gospel, that is, who believe the message about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, are given the spirit of truth, who enables them to worship God acceptably. This is just what we have been talking about, the good news of Christ. But no one can believe a message he has not heard or does not comprehend. In short, a person must have at least a basic understanding of the gospel before he begins to understand and engage in true worship. The gospel takes the natural, worldly view that worship is a person justifying himself by reaching up to God and corrects it with the truth that worship is a person responding to the God who has reached down through the gospel of Jesus Christ. People do not decide to become worshipers of God. Rather, the gospel produces worshipers. God, through the gospel, changes a person's nature such that worship changes from mere participation in outward forms of veneration into adoration and enjoyment of God from the heart. God does that heart change. Ezekiel 36 talks about that. God does this heart change. And from God working in the inside flows the joy and worship of our true and king, our true king and God Almighty. God made our hearts and he made them to find their greatest joy and satisfaction in himself. So when through the gospel we come to know God, or rather to be known by God, Galatians 4, 9 talks about that. Our hearts turn to God and open in worship to him like flowers turn and open to the sun. God is the one who, who opens up our hearts in worship to him. Thus, it is that worship begins with an understanding of the gospel and belief and faith in the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel not only prepares us to worship, 
It guides our worship and sustains us in worship. In biblical worship, the gospel is proclaimed in word and sacrament. In the worship of God, his gospel is read, preached, and then sung. The same gospel message that kindled the initial fire of worship in the believer's heart rekindles worship as the gospel is proclaimed and remembered. The gospel reminds us that our worship, although flawed, is acceptable, not because of what we do or how well we do it, but because of what Christ did for us. He made worshipers out of rebels. And because our worship comes to the Father in Jesus' name, he sanctifies our worship to make it pleasing to the Father. So worship, both public and private, should also be a discipline in that believers must sustain an intentionality about worship. And by this, overcome the temptation to allow worship to be crowded out by the cares of the world. Love of the gospel and love of worshiping the God of the gospel are inseparable. A true grasp of the former leads to the devotion to the latter. So you have heard the gospel of our kind and compassionate God who has revealed himself through his creation and through his all-sufficient, authoritative, and infallible word. So now what, church? Please hear the words of the one true living God this morning. And if you have not come to know him, God Almighty, your maker and creator, through his son, please put your faith in Christ and believe on him and you will be saved. Recognize your sin before God and repent and turn from your rebellious and dead state and look to Christ. The only way to have a reconciled relationship with your maker who created you in his image. And as you receive eternal life by faith and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, then you can respond with great joy and true worship because of his glorious gospel and his saving work. And if this morning you are born again and saved, may we ask the Lord to renew our love and adoration and worship of him this morning. May we be overwhelmed by these gospel truths from his word and respond with much love and gratitude. Church, remember who we represent to this lost and dying world. We represent Jesus to our neighbors, co-workers, family, and friends. Ask the Lord how he will use you during this time, obviously to not spread the COVID-19 virus, but to spread the gospel that is the only cure for the worst disease of sin. Some of the, the causes of sin we know in this world is death, physical death. We know that death is imminent. One out of every one person dies. But there is a greater death that is coming. It's eternal death. And for sinners... We deserve the wrath of God because we have committed horrible crimes against a holy God. And only through Jesus Christ and his blood that was shed for us on that cross, only through his blood can we now have our sins be washed clean. And we can be born again to a living hope in Jesus Christ. Spread that message, church. When you're in lines, crazy lines at grocery stores. When you're with coworkers and they're stressing out and they're anxious about 
these times that we live. When you're going around to your neighbor's doors and asking if they have any needs, spread the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. May we be Christ's ambassadors, imploring others to come to God through Christ. And also may we be encouraging one another in the body and taking care of one another each day. May we continue to be making those calls to, to those older saints who are in, in convalescent homes or, or in homes that we can't go visit them now because of this COVID-19 virus. May we be aware of the needs of our church body and meet those needs as God would work in and through us. And may we be encouraging one another and spurring one another on to love and good deeds all the more as we see the day of our Lord and Savior and his return coming soon. I hope you're longing for the day of Christ and his return. May that spur us on to live for him. Just a personal note, enjoy this Lord's day together. I also want to lead you to a song that has been blessing me. You, you will see on your app, your RBC app, that Pastor Tom has put some songs on there. You can click, it goes right to the YouTube link to do some family worship through song after we end our time here this morning. One song, one of those particular songs that has stood out to me is Christ the Sure and Steady Anchor by Matt Boswell. I have some other songs on this slide uh, that we're showing now. Um, Not I, but Through Christ and Me but by City of Light. That has been a huge one. That's been a, been a sweet um, encouragement to my heart. I have a shelter by Sovereign Grace Music, Before the Throne of God Above by Shane and Shane, Blessed Assurance by City of Light, All I Have is Christ by Sovereign Grace Music. Church, may you be encouraged this morning. May, may, may God Almighty encourage us, even as we're in our separate homes, be praying for one another. Be leading our families to the throne of grace where we might receive help in time of need. As God puts people on your heart and your mind, text them, call them, email them. If you find yourself in a community group or even if, if you're not, reach out to the body. We need each other during these times. And if I may, let me pray for us as we end our time this morning. For those, of you, for those of you who have been with us who aren't normally with us, thank you. For those of you who have been hearing this message this morning, you, you, you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. You have not been born again. Once again, I implore you. I plead with you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Be born again to a living hope. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, you are so good. We thank you for revealing yourself through creation and through your almighty word. You are so good to us, Father. We thank you for the peace that you give, even when the world seems like it's falling, ap falling apart all around us and crumbling, Lord. You are our sure and steady anchor. Christ is our, is our sure and steady foundation. He is the chief cornerstone. Lord, thank you for the church. Thank you for this body of believers that you've called us into through the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you encourage your church this morning? May you strengthen your church this morning? May you cause us now even to worship you through song. And to know that each and every one of us are, are worshiping through song in our separate homes, but yet we're worshiping together the one true almighty God. Father, now may this, this gospel message be proclaimed through your church this week. May your gospel go forth in offices, in businesses, in families, in neighborhoods, in grocery stores. Lord, may your gospel be proclaimed by your people 
Would your Holy Spirit strengthen us to live for him and no longer live for ourselves? And Father, may your church step outside of themselves and encourage one another with written letters, with texts, with emails, with visits. Father, may your church be a beacon of hope, a beacon of light to this lost and dying world who desperately needs your son, Jesus Christ. May you remind us that we are ambassadors of Christ. You, God, making your plea in and through us to a lost and dying world, imploring those to come to Jesus Christ. We know that you made him, Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you so much for the gospel of grace. May we respond with much worship. Father, we love you. Guard and bless your church this week. And Father, we also pray for our president. You give him wisdom. We pray for government officials, Lord. We pray that you would go before them and help them to honor you. Give them wisdom, Lord. Show us even this week how we can come alongside and pray for those that we see and have been seeing on the news a lot lately. We pray for the 148 countries who are being affected by the COVID-19 virus, Lord. We pray that your gospel will go forth in places that are heavily influenced and affected by this virus, Lord, that your church would rise up. We pray for believers in Italy, in Spain, in Europe, all around the world, Lord, that you would raise up your church in a powerful way to proclaim Christ and that they would be unashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God at work to those who believe, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile, to the Greek. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this time. Pray that you would go before us and bless us and strengthen us by your grace and by your peace. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Church, have a great, great morning. We love you. And if you guys have any needs, any needs, please contact the pastor or elders or, or those within the church so that we might meet those needs. And continue to be praying for those who who have lost jobs or their jobs are affected. May we who have much be sharing with one another in the church. Maybe you grab a, and buy a grocery card and bless someone with that, a family who might be, might be struggling right now. So we love you and we pray that God will bless us during this time. Have a great Sunday morning. Bye, you guys.